0: Hey, there's more of you in the room than we normally have. I should have seen more dancing. We've got to start following this thing. Uh, it is great to have you here. Good morning. Uh, we've got a great group of individuals in the room. Uh, those of you that are online, welcome. Uh, hopefully you're finding some ways to take advantage of all the sunshine that we've had over the last, well, not yesterday, but over the last couple of days. Um, all the sun getting out, hopefully you're able to enjoy that. This summer, what we've been trying to do in terms of our message series is really looking closely at what you and I need to do as people that claim we believe in Jesus. If you're here this morning and you would say that that you're a Christian, that you're a follower of him, we're really trying to uncover what it looks like in our lives and the way that we should follow him, recognizing that Jesus is our leader. And if Jesus is our leader, then we need to follow the leader in the way that we live. And recognizing that when you and I begin to wonder, what is it that we should look like? What is it that we should do? If we'll look at our leader and the way that he lived and the words that he said, if we'll do what those things are, we'll be exactly where we need to be. And this morning, the aim that we're going to talk about, what I want to challenge you to do, maybe won't seem all that Christian. Because the challenge this morning isn't about being humble. It's not about being more reserved. It's not about being passive. It's not about sitting back. The goal of the message this morning, I want to motivate you. My hope this morning is to challenge you to be the greatest. Now, when we think about the greatest, we often think about some of the debates that happen around such things like sports. If you follow sports, there's lots of debate about, they would say, who's the goat? When I first heard who's the goat, I was like, what? That's a good thing? GOAT, acronym for the greatest of all time. You know, there's, this, there's always these debates about who's the GOAT. Who, who, which quarterback is the GOAT? Which, which one is the greatest? Who's won the most Super Bowls? Or who's the GOAT? Who's the greatest basketball player of all times? They might argue, like, which one has scored the most points? Which baseball pitcher is the greatest of all times? Which one has the most strikeouts, might be argued. Or or maybe you're crazy, and you want to get into a debate about politicians, which I would just encourage you right now, just stay away from that whole thing. But maybe maybe you want to debate, like, who's the greatest politician of all time? And then we might argue things like, well, which president was able to establish the strongest economy? Or or maybe you would debate which governor is the greatest of all time? Which one brought about the the most policy reform? Or maybe it's a senator. Which senator was the greatest? Which one was able to help get the most bills passed? Or maybe you stay around something that's a little bit more uh, comfortable to debate. <laughs> maybe you debate who's the greatest chef or the greatest cook of all times. Or maybe you go into something even crazier and you debate who's the greatest cook in the family. Like, that might be a little riskier. Right? Like, who can cook the brisket that is the most tender? Or wh- which chef can, is best at plating the food? Or, or who can prepare the best, spiciest meatball? That's probably horrible. I shouldn't have done it. I should have just, I thought, do it, no. But, but what, sometimes when we start to think about who the greatest is, what we tend to do when we think about the greatest is we tend to think, who's the best? But when our leader, Jesus, started talking about the greatest, it's not really what he had in mind. Jesus knew that, that naturally we tend to think about what is the best, but he kind of laid out a plan for us for what it looks like to be the greatest. A gentleman by the name of Matthew, who spent a lot of time with Jesus, one of his closest friends, recorded much of what Jesus said and much of what Jesus did. And as one of the things that he recorded, we find one of the the things that Jesus stated, a very simple formula to become the greatest. The verses are going to be on the screen and they're in your message notes. This is what Jesus said. Jesus said, the greatest among you must be a servant. Now, if you've been here over the last couple of weeks, you may know where we're going with this term, the greatest. If you've been here or you've been online, you've, we've been talking about the greatest. And if you haven't been here or you haven't been online, we have been taking attendance. We have figured out how to track you at your houses and we've sent the report to God. He is very well aware. Actually, not true. We don't send him that. He just knows. But anyway, he's excited that you're here this morning. He's thrilled that you've chosen to join us online, whatever it is. And if you feel bad about missing it, you can always go catch him online. But if you've missed the last two weeks, what we've been looking at and what we've been diving into is that that Jesus made a claim as to what the two greatest commandments are. Jesus rolled out for us what the two greatest commandments are before everything else. And what he said is, First, the greatest is to love God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind. And then he said, the second is equally as important. The second is just as great. It is to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, when we start talking about great, we run into a little bit of a problem with the English word great or greatest. See, when, when we say great, sometimes great can just sort of equal okay, for example, remember the last time that you were talking to somebody and you were like, hey, ha- how are you doing? And they said, I'm great. And you're like, I-, I-, I don't think that's true. <laughs> I feel like you're okay. Or maybe you're driving down the car or you're driving down the road and you're in your car and all of a sudden you hear this weird like bang, bang, some banging noise that you've never heard. And if you're like me and you're not a mechanic, you're just hoping you've hit, hit something and it's, you know, you're like, please don't be something. And then you, but it's banging and you're like, well, that's just great. Like, for us, great doesn't always mean great. But here's what's so incredible, that, that when Jesus was speaking, he didn't actually say the word great. He was likely speaking either Aramaic or he was speaking Hebrew, but whatever he said, he didn't say the word great. And actually, Matthew, who was writing it down, he actually, he actually didn't write down the word great. Because Matthew was recording what was being said, he was writing it down in Greek. And in the original Greek, he didn't write down the word great. He actually used the word magus. He used the word magus. Now, if you look up the definition of magus, it says magus is great to the widest sense. He's saying it is so great. Take the greatest thing you have and the greatest thing you can think and then expand it as great as great can be. And so it's magus is to take great as great as great can be. If we just say great, that's not great to the widest sense. It's not enough. So if I ever get to translate the Bible, which we should all hope never happens, but if I ever get a chance to translate the Bible, if I were to translate this part, every time we come to the word magus, it shouldn't be great. It should be something like phenomenally superior or or most awesome. Or if we wanted to uh, quote the great theologian and teenage teenage mutant ninja turtle, Raphael, if you remember that guy, he would use the term totally tubular. <laughs> so two weeks ago when we were looking at what Jesus said, and when Jesus said, which commandment is most important, and he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then your neighbor as yourself, when he said that is the greatest, he wasn't saying it was the greatest, he was saying that is phenomenally superior, and so each time when that was recorded, he was saying, "This is the most awesome." So as we read this verse, where Jesus says, "The greatest among you must be a servant," what we need to read that is not he is the greatest. We need to read that. We need to read that and say, "The most phenomenally superior among you is a servant." The magus among you must be a servant. The most awesome among you will be a servant. The most totally tubular must be a servant. If we want to be the greatest in the eyes of Jesus, it happens when we choose to be a servant. And there's the ways that this plays out... The ways that this happens in our life is through the principle of being the greatest, which happens when I invest in others, and then it allows God to invest back in me. And then I get to invest in others, and God invests back in me. And if you do a search and you begin to research anybody that's done anything significant in their life, anybody that's accomplished much, They have had some form of a principle. They've had some sort of guiding force. They've had something that compels and directs each of their decisions that motivates them forward. And Jesus calls us to be the greatest. And when he calls us to be the greatest, he's saying in order to be that, it happens when you choose to serve. When you choose to be a servant to others. When you begin to give out of what you have, and invest back in those around you. So real quickly, what I want to look at, I just want to just throw out five ways that you and I can invest in others. Five things that you and I can do each and every day that we can be looking to, that we can be considering, and ways that we can invest in those around us. And as a church, one of the things we do, are we, we are consistently looking and trying to develop ways that as a church we can serve Others, looking for opportunities to invest in people and then allow you those same opportunities to come alongside of us and invest. But it even just needs to happen in each of our own individual lives, not being dependent on the church, but also recognizing that you and I can be looking to follow our leader and to invest in those around us. So here's five ways that you and I can make this happen. The first thing, the first way is I can give my time. If you don't know this yet, you need to figure this out, but the most valuable resource any of us have is our time. Because we can't store time up. We can't buy more time. Time is at a consistent pace. It's always happening. We can't slow it down. So when you and I choose to give our time away, we are investing with one of the most valuable resources that we have. So we need to give our time. The next thing that I can do is that I can share my talent. Each and every one of you have unique skills and unique abilities and unique things about you that only you possess. You are the only one that possesses the collective of all of those skills and abilities. And you and I have the opportunity to choose where we're going to share and invest that unique set of skills and abilities. And individually, each of us get to decide where we will use our talents. And, and throughout this building this morning, there are people with all kinds of talents. And the people that are making this service happen—from the tech guys and the musicians and the people that are running computers and the people that are at home hosting it online—and on the green, like, all of these are unique skills and abilities where people chose to invest in others, and they chose to share their talent. The next way that I can invest and the way that you can invest is that we can choose to contribute my treasure, contribute your treasure. If you've got $2 or $2,000 or $2 million, whatever whatever the amount is that you possess, that is your treasure. That is the resource that you now control. And that treasure that you and I control, we get to decide what it is that we're going to do with that treasure. We get to choose and decide if what God has blessed us with is going to be all for us us, all for me, or whether we're going to invest that in others. Now, if you choose to invest your dollars in your own kids, that doesn't count. just Just in case you're like, well, I give a lot to needy children. There's a bunch of needy children in my home. Well, yeah, you signed up for that when they became your children. But it's really a matter of figuring out, how do I invest in others where it really has no value for me Or those that I'm responsible for, but how do I take the treasure that God has given me, whatever it is, and look to invest it back in others? We also get to invest in others when we decide to encourage with our words. You and I, every day, can choose to use words that will change a person's day. And at the same time, we can choose to use negative words that can destroy a person's life. But it will take effort and intentionality to use words that will encourage. That will build somebody up. That will allow somebody to hear words that will give them the courage to face whatever it is in their day. That will encourage them to continue to move and continue to push forward. And each and every day, you and I get to choose. Will the words that I speak to those that I come in contact with, will they be words that build them up, that give them the courage to continue to move forward, or will they be words that set them back and give them something else that they have to try and overcome? And along the way, as we begin to speak words of encouragement, what we also can do is we can tell my story. You can tell your story. Oftentimes, we get scared to to talk about the Bible or maybe talk about what Jesus claimed or what he said but there's something so powerful about your story, about what you have lived, about what you have experienced, about the way that God has transformed your life. And what you get to do and what I get to do is we get to say, at one point I was this, this is what my life used to look like, and now because of Jesus, this is what I am, that is my story. And it becomes the investment that we get to make in other individuals, where they get to hear our story, where we get to tell them what Jesus has done in our life, where we get to share and say, listen, this is what Jesus has done in my life, and as a result of what Jesus has done in my life, now I want to be the greatest, and so I want to serve other people. Because hopefully, as you and I are are making the choice to invest in others, people will be watching and being like, why would you possibly do that? Why are you not making the choice to continually invest in yourself? And we get to say, because of, our lo- because of my love for Jesus, because of what I know he's done for me, I'm going to choose to invest in others. I'm going to choose to make that choice to invest. And what's so incredible is that when you and I begin to invest in others, God begins to invest in us. But what we have to determine, what we have to recognize is that you and I will not become the greatest by being passive. We, we can't just sit back and, and say, oh, well, look at what our leader has done. I sure hope that works out for everybody and for me. We have to choose to follow the leader. We have to choose to take action. And what Jesus says, and Jesus comes along and says, listen, if you will take that choice, if you will become the greatest, if you will serve, my Heavenly Father will take you, care of you. He will bless you. But it means we have to take action. And in another part of Scripture, Jesus says this. He says, now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Hey, I think we're one slide ahead in there, maybe. There we go. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing these things. So let me just apologize up front. If you came this morning and you didn't know these things, now you know these things, so now you get to do them. But my assumption is that you came with a desire to want to follow the leader. And so now we know. Now we know that that God calls us to do this. That God calls us to invest in others. And God will bless us for doing those things when we choose to give our time, when we choose to share our talents, when we choose to contribute our treasures, when we use words that are encouraging, when we tell our story of what God has done in our lives. And so you just need to know that, that as a church at Silver Creek, we are going to push ourselves to serve others. And as individuals, we need to push ourselves to serve others because our natural inclination, our natural tendency is to serve me, to serve self. And so if we aren't actively looking for ways to serve others, it won't happen. We have to find ways to invest. We have to attempt this and look for ways to do it. And sometimes we try things and sometimes we do things and sometimes it works out great and sometimes it doesn't work out all that well. But we need to keep trying them and we need to keep doing things, recognizing with this assurance that God promises he will bless our lives when we choose to invest in others. So here's how we make this happen. Here's what needs to happen in our lives. First thing we need to do is we have to look to invest in others each day. Each and every day we need to be looking for opportunities, looking for individuals, looking for people where we can invest. It doesn't necessarily mean that every moment of the day we are investing and doing things. It simply means we're consistently looking around, paying attention for, looking for opportunities to respond. It's making an intentional decision to open our eyes, to open our ears to what's going on in our community, to see what's going on in our world, to watch for needs, to watch for situations, to look for individuals where we can invest. And what's great about choosing to watch for this isn't that we just invest in situations where there's desperation and sadness. Oftentimes we can invest in people that are struggling, but one of the opportunities that we have is to watch for people or organizations or situations that have incredible potential. And then come alongside of them and invest in those and give our time and maybe give our dollars and maybe give our talents and allow them to move forward in incredible ways. I mean, that's what we're trying to do at Silver Creek with this, this idea of strategic partners. If you've been around here for a while, you know that for a long time we've called them community partners. And what we recognize is we're not just, we're not just throwing out a notice and saying, who wants to be our partner? We're not, we're, not, we're not just opening the phone book. I, I don't even know why that's the illustration. We're not just searching through the web internet and just being like, well, they're in our community. We're being strategic. We're watching in our community for organizations and individuals that are doing things in such a way that we can come along and invest in that organization and in that individual that we can partner with that will bring transformation to families and to lives. And so we look, and we watch, and we consider, and we, and we try to choose wisely as a church where we can invest, where we can take what God has blessed us with as a church, and then we can begin to utilize that and invest that back in others. So we're looking, and we're watching, and we're paying attention, and after we've been looking, and after you as an individual are looking, and as we're watching, then the response, what we need to do is then we have to initiate action as God guides And as a church and as an individual, as we're considering this, as we're looking, what God has equipped us with and what God has provided, and as we've looked, now we have to take that action. As God guides us, we have to respond. And again, sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't work. And the great thing about the times when it doesn't work is that it allows us to grow and develop and say, okay, well, that that didn't quite work, but maybe God is leading us to something else. When coronavirus first hit as a church, we're like, well, maybe we need to do stuff that will encourage our community. And so we created a podcast for a while, and we brought in different business leaders, and we tried it, and it sort of worked. It kind of worked, but it it was moving us to recognize there's more ways we could reach into our community. We tried to hold a teacher appreciation and give out Chick-fil-A to teachers, and we had about 50 teachers that came. and, And we learned some stuff that maybe we have to figure out a better way to get the word out. But we got to say to our community, we care about teachers. But God was guiding us to continue to reach out into our community to consider ways that we could let people know that we were here. And so we created the prayer line. And a lot of you have taken those signs home and you've put them up in your neighborhood or you've put them up in your yard. And we get calls close to daily of people in our community that are in points of desperation where people are struggling, and and it has been this amazing opportunity for us to to pray for families, to pray for individuals, but along the way, not only are we praying for individuals, oftentimes we have been the answer to the prayer. We have had families that have called, we have had individuals that have called, that were in massive moments of crisis, like life-type crisis, and as a church, we've been able to respond It's allowed us as a church to be able to respond to some of the financial needs of people in our community. We've been able to help pay some bills. Actually, we've got a gentleman this week that we're actually going to get the clutch in his car repaired. He's been out of work for months. And as a church, because of the way that you've financially contributed, it's allowed us the freedom and the ability to invest in these individuals. And as you've heard this last week, and as we showed you this video, we're now starting to develop this new relationship with Greater Trinity, I promise you over the next couple of weeks and months, as you hear more about what Greater Trinity is doing, you are going to be so thrilled that they are a strategic partner of Silver Creek. And not only do we get the opportunity to help them financially, but there's going to be some incredible moments where where people of Silver Creek can volunteer and help and pour into the lives of these children. And this coronavirus, as we get through this, the ways that you can pour into the children that are there and encourage the teachers and the administration is going to be phenomenal. But here's what's great, as we add strategic partners, we're not looking to stop any of other partnerships. Our relationship with the Linwood police is stronger than ever. In fact, just a week or two ago, Elizabeth and I, we were invited to the the retirement ceremony for the chief of police, and Elizabeth is continually asked to be a part of hiring processes for new sergeants and new, new officers. Elizabeth works really closely with the social worker that's a part of the police force that's working with homeless people in our city. We partner with Snow King and Skyhawks youth sports organizations. We let them use our building and our field once—well, not right now. They're not able to get in our building, but we do. They come in, they use it for free, and what it does is it allows hundreds of individuals each year that wouldn't otherwise have any connection to Silver Creek. It brings them onto our campus. We get to interact with them. We make sure they're aware of things that are going on, but it exposes them to who Silver Creek is. About a month ago, God prompted us to increase the financial assistance that we're sending down to our sister church down in El Salvador. They run a school down there, and what we're finding, the similarities between the school in El Salvador and the school that's just five miles away at Greater Trinity, they are trying to accomplish, and they are accomplishing almost identical things. One just happens to be thousands of miles away, and one happens to be a few miles away. And with the sister church down in El Salvador, they're still required to pay their teachers even though the kids aren't coming to school and tuition isn't being collected. And so as a church, we're able to help meet that need and make sure that these teachers still have an income. We have another strategic partner that we haven't even really started talking to you about, but it's coming over the next couple of months, and it is going to allow us as a church an opportunity to be a part of an organization that is transforming the lives of children that have been forgotten and ignored. I hope that's just enough of a tease for you to be like, ooh, what is that? <laughs> Come back. But as God continues to guide and continues to give opportunities, we have to choose to not just ignore it. We can't just say, well, that's a really impressive thing. Let's see what they do. Instead, we have an opportunity to initiate action when God guides us to those things. When God places something in front of us, it's an opportunity for us to step into it. And understand this, every time you and I step into an opportunity that God initiates and God provides, it will always cost us, which is exactly what it's supposed to do. It has to cost us. When you step into an opportunity to serve, if it's not costing, then it's not serving. But Proverbs challenges us this way when we view what we have. The book of Proverbs says this, Do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it's in your power to help them. If you can help your neighbor now, don't say, Hey, come back tomorrow, and then I'll help you. See, we have the space, and we have the resources, and we have the ideas— It makes no sense to wait till tomorrow to help when we can help today. And in our lives, if there's a way that you can respond today, don't wait till tomorrow. And here's what we'll discover. If we will look to invest and if we will initiate action as God guides, then what we get to do is we get to celebrate and we get to return and we get to focus the attention towards God. We get to take all that's happened, and we get to begin to focus. Now we are going to go to the next slide. There you go. Focus the attention on God. And the reality is that, that we get to serve based on the love of God for us and the love of God for others and our love of God for others. And we respond to that. And most of the time we just do it silently. Meaning this. We don't serve someone with the requirement that they allow us to tell them about Jesus. So rather than walking up to a thirsty person and saying, hey, can I offer you a cup of water? But first, I'm going to tell you about Jesus. No. Instead, we say, listen, I recognize that you're thirsty. Here's a glass of water. And then maybe when their thirst is met, maybe then we've earned their right. Maybe then they're saying, hey, why did you decide to help? What is the reason behind this? Nobody else was offering me water. Why did you do it? And the reason isn't because, oh, look at how good I am, or look at, hey, I'm trying to be the greatest. The idea is, because God loves you, and because God loves you, I love you. And because I recognize God's love for me, I'm choosing to serve you. Maybe we see somebody that needs a friendship, and we don't enter into friendship because we want to say, I want to be your friend so I can tell you about Jesus. I'm going to choose to be your friend because I see you as a valuable person. And through that relationship, I might earn the right, as I love you consistently, that they would say, why are you loving me consistently? I love you consistently because God loves you, because God loves me. And as a result, I'm called to love others. And let me just then throw the attention to God. An early church reader wrote this. He said, in all the work you are doing, work the best you can. Work as if you were doing it for the Lord, not for people. See, we earn the right to tell people about God. Because of what God has done in our life and in the way that we do that in other people's life. And when our love reflects the love of God that he has for other people, now we've earned the right because we've chosen to do everything that we can in a way that honors and we're doing it for God, to the Lord. And as we're serving as our neighbor and as we're loving those around us because of the fact that we've been loved and because they've been loved, now we're revealing God's love And now we can actually speak to it. Because if you and I aren't demonstrating God's love first, then we really have no right to speak to that love. Because if we haven't shown the love first, and then we speak to God's love, we're just actually giving a confusing message. If we say that God loves you, but we don't treat you with love, then the message doesn't make sense. So we have to love people first, so then that we can tell them about who God is, and the fact that he loves him. Because if we don't, then our message is confusing and our actions didn't look like our words. And here's the amazing thing, is that when you and I choose to give, we can anticipate God investing back in us. Jesus was clear. Jesus said this, Give to others and God will give to you. The measure you use for others is is the one that God will use for you. You've been to the bank and you have to send money through the tube. It's the same concept. The amount that you put in the tube the sends inside, creates the size of the tube that God can give back to you. So if you give God this much, that's about how much you're going to give back. And if you give God this much, that's how much you're going to give back. And as you and I are giving to God, then that's what he gives back. As we're giving to others, then that's what God gives back to us. And what's so incredible is that when you and I start giving to others... And God then blesses us back. It's not about, wow, look how much I've gotten back for me. It's about, look how much I've gotten so that now I can give it back even more. And as we start to live this out, we begin to see God's blessing. And that blessing becomes more about how we can pour that into other people than how it is that I can make my own life better. And as we serve those around us, and as we serve our community, and as we ser- serve our world, what we'll ultimately discover that it will allow us to become the greatest. And when we, be- when we are being the greatest, it aligns our heart with our leader's heart. And if God is going to transform our heart, we have to see the world the way God sees it, and we have to respond to the world the way God responded to the world. And the way that God responded to the world is that He sent Jesus, and He served by giving all that He had by giving everything that he possessed being his life. I think you can go to the very last, uh, last slide. And when you and I begin to do that, when we begin to strive to be the greatest by serving those around us, it will line our hearts up with God in ways that nothing else ever can. My challenge to you is not just to sit, not just to watch, but then to respond. Every week we just kind of challenge you to think through what is it that you've heard, what is it that you can do based on what you've heard this morning, and really not what you've heard from me, but what is it that God is saying to your heart this morning? Maybe your next step is just simply to be ready to jump in when Silver Creek provides opportunities for you to serve. Maybe your next step is to begin to invest in relationships as best you can. Maybe your next step is to daily serve those that you encounter. Just continue to say, how can I serve this person? How can I serve this person? And maybe your next step is to strive to be the greatest by giving out of what you've already been given. Whatever it is, I would just challenge you to respond to what God is saying. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for all that you do for us, for all the ways that you bless our lives, for all the things that you give to us. God, would you help us not to just hold on to those things and feel blessed, but would you help us to respond out of that blessing? To recognize how much you gave up and how much it cost you to give. To demonstrate your love. In the same way, would you help us to give? To invest in those around us. To watch for those moments where we have an opportunity to be the greatest by being a servant. Thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you for the way that, that you call us to action. That you give us opportunity to live out our faith and be a demonstration of your love to those around us. In Jesus' name, amen.